Welcome to season two of the Shopstool podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. With Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks, Brian Cush from Sawdust Bureau, and Robin Lewis from Robin Lewis Makes. Hi everyone, I hope you're all very well. This is episode 13, season two of the Shopstool podcast. As always, I'm going to start by introducing my two co-hosts. Joey, how are you today? Yeah, very good. Hey, uh, Robin? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. And Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Robin. Thanks. That's good. That's good. And my name is Robin Lewis. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is going to be our last show for 2019. Um, and I think in that, in that vein, we are going to be talking about the year in um, the year that's passed and possibly the year that's coming up, any, any big future goals. So I think it's just a nice way to end off the year and we can, we can talk about any of our major highlights and any big, exciting experiences that happened over the year and you know maybe get into what's coming up for 2020. So Brian, I guess, I guess we'll start with you. Um, have you had any major achievements or major goals accomplished this year? Uh, goals accomplished? Uh, probably the, doing a few articles for a wood review is pretty nice. Um, getting to write on topics that I felt passionate about, so like my mm. approach to design, and I've spoken about it in previous shows, um, and a potential another upcoming article for them, which is pretty exciting. With, the, with those alone, articles, do you? Because yeah. Adam was talking about it last week in the in the, in the show. Do wood review approach you guys to do the the, the articles, or do you guys sort yeah. of know anyone there? No, I, well, I know I have a bit of a relationship with Linda, but Linda Nathan, the editor. But yeah, she just approached me to do a review of the Shaper, uh, the Shaper Origin. Oh uh, yeah. And then it just kind of sprung from there, and um, she saw that I could string a couple of words together, and she just gave me a bit of freedom to write on what I wanted to write about. Um, yeah. So that's been really nice. It's something I haven't done for a while, probably since doing um, assignments at uni. But uh, that's that's been really nice, really challenging, nice way to spend my evenings. And um, mm. in terms of professional development, probably doing a installation piece with John Wardle Architects in Heidi Gallery, which was, if you scroll back on my Instagram feed, it was um, to display a ceramics exhibition, a traveling ceramics exhibition. And it sort of, they needed a 19 meter long table, but it had to be modular. And we worked with the architects on trying to come up with mm. this concept of uh, something that was reusable afterwards, but it wasn't going to cost the earth, and it was still movable and uh, easy to install. <laughs> well, relatively easy to install. So we ended up taking, I think it was nearly 40 um, second-hand op shop tables of all different sizes, heights, profiles, and trying to get them to ah. sort of interlock and bisect, and it was pretty crazy. And um, I was kind of lucky at the time. I had a very, very large storage space uh, next to my workshop that I could work on them in because mm. otherwise, I mean, I would not have been able to take on that job, but that was a real challenge, and um, it went together really well, and out of that, I've got a few upcoming jobs with, uh, with John Wardle, which is great. They're pretty good architects to work with. Mm. I'm kind of always a little bit nervous about working with architects because some of them really understand wood movement and things like that, but others pretend to understand it, mm. and I find that these guys are the perfect balance between taking their knowledge and listening to you and mm. uh, that's just perfect so um, I'm doing a design and build project with them down in Tasmania in January um, cool. they send a group of their staff down, down in two different sessions to Bruni Island which is where John the director has a house 
and just build small little installations either on his farm or in the community. So they've done like styles over fences and small. I think they're doing a kiln this year. Um, okay. So yeah, just or really anything in particular, or just or just having a bit of fun. They're, uh, it's a bit of fun. It's seen as a sort of a perk for the staff to get down. Like um, it's mm. a pretty amazing part of Tassie. Great food and yeah, and John's. Uh, holiday house down there um, on Bruny Island is I think it won a World Architecture Award so the staff sort of get down and spend some time in it so that's pretty exciting so I'm going down there in January and uh, potentially again in February and then um, on a personal level I'm I'm having a baby in the new year in March so that's going to change uh, change things pretty (laughs) dramatically I would say in terms of um, my work schedule my work life schedule but very exciting (laughs) Yeah, we, we've sort of talked about that on the show offline, um, yeah. but yeah, I guess to make it official, I mean, congratulations, that's a huge thing, and um, I'm sure everyone's going to be dropping comments now, asking how it's going and, <laughs> and looking for updates. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So I've got to do the, doing house renovations at the minute, trying to find space <laughs> that is not in my house, just cutting into roof space uh, to make room nice. for, for things, and um, yeah, what type of renovations on the way. Just trying to uncover storage space, you know, um, yeah. lazy builders just enclosing eaves that could be used. It's a pretty small little townhouse we live in, so every every inch counts. Yeah. Um, so that's been this week, and next week we'll be building a crib. So I've got the design for that all done, and um, yeah. So that's, on, that's times. on for my Christmas and New Year. It seems like a bit of a rite of passage for <coughs> maker woodworkers to be mm. making cribs. I think so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's a nice thing to do. I think, and yeah. I still have um, there was a, a contact through the Victorian Woodworkers Association that got in touch with me last year. Um, he works for a timber uh, recycling company, so they basically try to repair pallets and things like that. And they right. had uh, Porta, the dial company that supply Bunnings, mm. yeah, were basically scrapping. I think it was a couple of million dollars worth of dial stuff that was wow. undersized or slightly oversized or had too much feature in it or huh. you know, had a split in it. Uh, so myself and about 10 other makers went down and just filled up on it. So I have a like I have dials coming out of my rafters in my roof shop, in my workshop. <laughs> so um, any project that can get rid of a bit of dial is, is good. So a crib is perfect for it. Yeah, is that, absolutely. Is that pine or, yeah. or tassie oak? No, it's all tassie oak. Um, so yeah. If you ever need any, just swing by. Oh God, what about fifteen different diameters and um, yeah, it's good stuff. But yeah, it's got feature in it, which is kind of what yeah. I like. But absolutely, I suppose it has to meet a certain quality control standard for Bunnings to accept it. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, because that's like that's one of the the, the, the most labour intensive parts about building a crib is the slats or the spindles, depending which way you go. Yeah. So yeah. If that's already taken care of. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. How did, going back to what you said before, you mentioned the shape of origin. Did they end up sending you one? Or no, you I, it or? no, no, no. Everybody asked me that. Have they paid me yeah. to, to do reviews and things? Um, I actually, I ordered it uh, okay. pre-sale. So right. they, they didn't do a Kickstarter campaign, but they did a, uh, a kind of a self-funded Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And I think I probably paid about 1200 US for it at the time. Right. Mm. Didn't know what the product was going to turn out like. Didn't know if it was even going to happen, to be honest. Yeah. And I think I had to wait about 18 months from 
from paying for it to actually receiving yeah. it. And I had to do it through a friend in the US because they would only ship to US addresses right. <laughs> and then run it through a transformer here. Um, yeah, it's a, it's been pretty cool. And I know they're launching in Europe or they've maybe even launched in Europe now um, and Canada. They should be coming Australia Pacific, I would think, by the yeah. end of the year, maybe. Um, but we're the, obviously a pretty small market for them compared yeah. to Europe. Is the do you know if the retail's changed at all since you what, it paid has, what you paid? It has changed. Yeah, I think it's it, by the time it lands in Australia, it'll probably be double that. I would think. Yeah, the yeah, company sure. was acquired by um, Festool's parent company. Oh, that's so right. The second you put in FESTO, yeah. <laughs> it, it tends to, <laughs> tends to jump the price a little bit. Yeah, that green paint's expensive. Yeah, they acquired Sawstop and they acquired um, Shaper. It's it's nice though that I think the majority of the Shaper staff have all stayed and the uh, product developer is still there and all the engineers are still there. Um, I think that's the same for Sawstop as well. They've essentially just kept the business and they just own it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just production um, they're really helping with, production and part yeah. sourcing and things like that. But um, right. it's a very cool bit, bit of kit. Next time you're in Melbourne, you'll have to come down for a play. Like... It is one of the most yeah. beautifully engineered. Like I've seen them take it apart on some YouTube video, some some channel where mm. they just dismantle like blenders and things, yeah. and they take this apart yeah. with a couple of the shaper engineers. And it, I'm not going to use the word over engineered, but let's just say it didn't look as though they'd cut too many corners in it. Yeah, mm. yeah, um, that's cool. But yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool little product. Yeah, awesome. Joey, how about you? Any any major oh. milestones that you ticked off this year? This year started out pretty, like in terms of my business, it just was very slow and it got to a point, I remember talking about on one of the earlier shows, it just mm. had no work come in and for a, pretty much a month I think nothing came in and um, you know, just barely kind of scraped by and, and for it to go from no work and me being somewhat in debt from that month out and then to where we are now, where I have got so much work and I've been making pretty decent money on the jobs I've had in the last two, three months. Um, it's such a crazy turnaround. And um, I mentioned very briefly, this this job which I'm starting now is probably, <coughs> excuse me, probably going to be the highlight of my year and that I mentioned that very briefly in a couple of shows ago that I was looking at building this dining table and I, I wanted to get this job um, I can say at least that it is for um, an ambassador to New Zealand it's their main going to be their brand new dining a formal dining table for sure. the ambassador's cool. uh, uh, house if you will um, and it is a crazy crazy thing I just posted a couple of pictures on Instagram of me trying to get the base of it together and um, it's, so it's a, an oval extension table, kind of as it in a short in its short form, it's going to be 2.2 meters, uh, and then extend to 3.6. So it's um, almost going to double its length when it's fully extended, and it's it's a trick. Um, so I'm really just kind of focused on that while trying to get. Um, other work happening in the background and I'm trying not I'm trying to avoid touching anything else at the moment just trying to head down and there's a lot of complex things that need to happen to make this job come be, you know be pulled off I've got till about the second week of February to finish it so 
Um, is um, that the the the, ca the diagonal ca cabriolet legs that you were talking yeah. about? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got to be yeah. pretty happy with those legs. They turn out fantastic. They look awesome, and this yeah. you know. If you, I'm because I'm touching them all day long, and and I'm seeing little minor things here and there, and, and there's still lots of work to happen on it. So mm -hmm. I'm, I think we'll we'll dial them in even better. What I'm finding now is that I'm having to handle the legs so much that now I'm starting to get dings and little mm -hmm. dents and chips are coming off the corners, and so now I'm just in a mad rush to get the thing glued up, and ha and so I don't have to keep touching uh, all the, the pieces <laughs> yeah. and and knocking them into each other and. Uh, that's really becoming a problem because of the amount of handwork involved involved in each one. Um, it's quite difficult. So, mm. is that the finished uh, profile of the legs now? Are the edges going to stay sharp? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm just yep. going to just take the sharpness off, but I'm not going to start um, rasping them or rounding them over yep. in the traditional style. Um, I think it's just a bit more of a modern take on a, on the style. Um, so yeah, that job in particular, I mean, that's, there's just so many, I was going to incorporate glue lamb and steam bending and I've got the cabriolet legs and crazy extension slides, which I haven't made in this version, in this style before. And so pretty much every part of this job is, I mean, just constantly pushing my boundaries and I'm every hour I'm at work, I'm just feeling uncomfortable the whole time because oh, I'm just, I'm not that. entirely sure that I'm doing it correctly. And, do you, and, do you and, like that? Do you like that feeling? Uh, I like it. I like it because I know that I'm pushing myself and, mm. and I'm learning. I don't like it when I feel that way about every aspect of the job when I think yeah. about it. Absolutely, um, I agree. It, it's I, too I, much. Like after a while, yeah. it just becomes overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind it um, when there's one aspect of a job and I'm like, right, that's really going to challenge me. But the rest of it, I can do in my sleep. But this one is like, if I'm not 100% on 100%, you know, with it, what I'm doing, I could really stuff up big time uh, in a couple of seconds, and I'm yeah. trying not to do that. <laughs> Four weeks of work so. in the garbage. Yeah, yeah with, well, with one. Yeah. There's already been. I mean, <laughs> the funniest thing was the very first cut I made into a piece of wood. Um, my assistant Nick yelled out and said, "Oh, do you want to be cutting that there?" And I and I looked. And I was like, "Oh crap, nope, I don't want to cut that there." And so it's like, <laughs> Talk like about the very first thing. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Oh, all right, I better start thinking about what I'm doing." <laughs> cutting the no cutting the notches for those angled braces must have been terrifying. Mm. Uh, yeah, and you know, I thought through how to do it, and it's, they're they're out by about. Um, half a degree or a degree maybe they're out of parallel and so I'm just having to just uh, fine-tune them by hand with the, the chisel to get them right and that's what's taking I've, I've fitted two of them up it's taking me about four hours so far so yeah sure. um, and you're gonna, you're gonna be filming this one right this is going on YouTube I'm filming it and I'm pro I want to bring it out in uh, parts and then cool. I'll probably do like a wrap-up vid which is shorter um, the reason I actually is that that leg I'm yeah. really, I, like, I still don't get it. I still can't yeah. understand the, what, you've, what you're saying about it. It'd be amazing if you went into more detail on that in the video. Yeah, I will try because when I, what I wanted to do is get the base finished and have that as the part one, but it's looking like the amount of time it's taking, because I, I want to get it out before Christmas, part, part one, and I'm thinking now I might just stop where I am a bit more, a bit more like uh, Alex Steele style, and just say, right, that's the end of this video, and you're gonna have to see where we go from the next one, mm. as opposed to stopping at a logical point. Uh, I would just say, well, this is where we're at, and um, carry on from there. 
and it would just be more parts, I guess. Yeah. Sort of going back to what you were saying about business turning around for you so dramatically mm. this year, do you think it's, is it um, due to the economy? Is it due to the type of work that you were taking on? Is it blind luck? Is it targeted marketing? <laughs> like, can I you put it down to anything? I, I can't put it down to any one thing. I can put it down. The only thing I know that I've changed, um, I put my prices up. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I the, just started, the room goes quiet because no yeah. one's, everyone's trying to work out how to make sense of that, but it just doesn't. <laughs> I started charging more money, mm-hmm. and I got more jobs. Mm-hmm. And each one of those jobs paid me better. So I think what it, I think what it could boil down to is that it, it allowed me less, it allowed me time to relax mm-hmm. a bit more because I knew there was money coming in, and I knew I had some time up my sleeve because the budget was there. And I feel like when you're working, when you're not under pressure um, to get something out the door, your, the work or the work I produce at least seem, seems to be of a, a better quality. Yeah. Um, even if I think I'm doing the work an unusual standard, I feel like there must be a correlation between just knowing that there's money in the bank and it's going to be okay if I can make a mistake here and spend an extra couple of days on this point and I'll still be okay mm-hmm. whereas if you're really tight on that budget and you don't allow enough um, that's when you, you can't afford one mistake and you're just a bit yeah uh, I feel like like I say in that in that same conversation I put my prices up and more people seem to be willing to spend that higher level of money with, with some of the jobs I'm quoting at the moment, which just surprises me, and I don't know why that is. Um, and it seems like the type of customer who's started coming to me lately is a step above, a step up mm-hmm. from what I had been doing in the past. So I'm not sure how that's come about, but... Uh, Pretty awesome. Don't argue with that. I'll say, I'll say yes yeah. at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it is pretty, uh, like when you're saying about the headspace and your work being better, it probably allows you to focus more on the next job as well. So when you're getting inquiries and you're working on jobs, but you're feeling relaxed working on those jobs, you're going to respond to the inquiries better. And mm, I, I agree. Just I think it's one into the other. Yeah. Um, but it is, again, it is, it is a busy time generally now, but I, I'm mm. finding right now that it's getting to the point where I'm struggling to... Um, kind of get back to everyone that I, I need to in, in a mm-hmm. timely manner but um, I'm doing what I can cool yeah yeah so Robin it looks like from Instagram that you've been smashing your house to bits yeah who's, who saw the post this morning with all the concrete on the floor I didn't see that one <laughs> so you you guys obviously everyone listening you won't you won't be able to appreciate this but you guys might notice that there used right. to be a gigantic post sort of there just behind me yeah. which is oh, now yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. So, and there's, there's a, a very small gulf post just over my yeah, right nice. shoulder. So this morning the builders were here and they've taken out the two. It's, a, it's probably about a, a nine meter span and right. it was uh, cut up into thirds and there were two, probably about 250 square concrete posts, originals of the house that were holding up the, the bearer. Um, last week, we did all of the, the structural work upstairs with opening up the, the house. And part of that was putting a new footing down here, just a single 75 mil steel gulf footing and then getting rid of the concrete post. So this morning they came around, knocked those out. 
and it's amazing. Like my workshop <laughs> has got so much more space. It's incredible. That's cool, eh? Yeah, so that's they basically just knocked the post down. So I need to clean it, you know, break it up and, and get rid of it. But yeah, right. just just in general, this last week has just been. Um, yeah, I took last week off um, from my day job just so that I could help with the, the the process of pulling out the wall, putting up these gigantic LVLs. Um, huge. I didn't re like they. The builders kept saying that this has been so over-engineered. It's it's ridiculous. There's a the LVL is 360 mil deep. Jesus. 60 mil wide for a span of about four and a half meters. What? Which, is, which is obviously the spec, I would assume. Maybe That's smaller than a garage door, and a garage door, you, you can get away with smaller. And on top of that, Oof. every time the builders went up there, they were like, you know, we don't even know if this wall is necessarily load-bearing. <laughs> like, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so basically, you know, it's been done as, as good as it can. And, and right. as the engineer said to me, and I think this is pretty true, Queenslanders, the original Queenslanders, were never built with open plan in mind. Right. So he basically said if you were to, to take any shortcuts here, bear in mind that anyone who comes to view this house, to buy this house one day, the first thing they're going to say is, this is open plan. There must have been something, some, some engineering right. must have happened here to make this okay. So, you know, it's worth going for the, the, the bigger size up. Um, but yeah, so the renovation was obviously, that's been a, a big highlight of the year, even though, if it's, even though it's just come to sort of, you know, the end of the year. But I think in terms of the, the woodworking, the shop side of thing, it's just, I had a small moment in the year where I was a woodworker like you guys. I had <laughs> quotes, you know, jobs coming in, I was quoting people. That's right and I was doing work and it was such a cool thing. It stopped since then and I haven't had any new work for six months, which, you know, it is what it is. But just for that brief period of time, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> That's cool. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that next year I'll be able to get back onto that. But, you know, and this is why it's, it's really helpful that we always talk about business stuff. I don't really know what the next step is for me to, to improve that flow or do you just sit back and, and you just gotta let it happen? I was I mean, just gonna say, like, I was just gonna say uh, exactly what Brian asked me. Why do you think, do you think, do you have any idea why you, you had a flurry of jobs and then nothing? Or do you know how you got those jobs? Is there like, can you link back to people who knew people? Is that why you got those ones and, and other ones haven't come through? Mm. So, a couple of them were friends of friends, which, so obviously that's the connection. And the other group were all mums, um, new mums. So I put out a, a video on YouTube about that track that I made for my little, for my daughter. And then I made, what was the other one? The rocking horse. So I think that's where the, the, the sort of the interest was generated, was around those types of projects and it's faded off since then, but that's definitely a market I could aim for. My my wife is heavily involved with all of her mum's groups, so that's who I could be going after. Yeah, well, that that's absolutely a, a new parents will spend money on furniture, eh, Brian? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna make it myself. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't got the money to spend money on furniture. No, oh, fair um, enough. It's funny, I was actually watching a, a program on Netflix this week about um, 
It was all about consumable, the consumable nature of furniture and how fast fashion is sort of causing companies like IKEA to grow and mm. you know, you throw away your stuff. But uh, the safety implications of buying cheap chipboard furniture and the number of tip-overs of, of dressers um, mm. caused by toddlers is astronomical. Right. Yeah. It was like a kid in America is injured every 30 minutes or something by a falling dresser. Wow. And, um, yeah, sure. There's an IKEA one that is particularly bad. So in terms of targeting mothers' groups, if you're building solid high quality furniture that's not going to tip over as easily you know and you can design it so it's wider at the base and the drawers don't mm. extend so far I think you know you are potentially doing a really really good thing as well and that's an but, interesting like marketing pitch is that mm. this is designed to not fall over you know we've put lead weights in the bottom so it, it will yeah. not fall over you know, design, a simple, it, design a simple design a simple clasp onto the wall so yeah, yeah. it won't yeah, it can't fall over IKEA had a massive class action about it, and they sort of That's said, right. "Well, here's here's the bracket. We're going to send it to everybody." And they sent it to yeah. everybody, but I mean, not everybody knows how to find a stud, and not everybody owns exactly. a drill. And and then IKEA ended up visiting homes, sending round <laughs> wow. to wow. fix. I mean, this is on a in America. It's probably about a hundred dollar dresser, and they're sending and tradesmen they, round. <laughs> and then every time they shift the room around, are they going to come and do it exactly. for them? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think as, but yeah, as well, it's, you, you, as a father of a now 18-month-old, we looked at the, the TV on our uh, sort of TV cabinet. And my wife said, right, we've got to go get those, those straps that hold the TV down. We've never put them on because we've, <laughs> ne- we've never had the issue because we're yeah. always in the room with Bub. Yeah. And, and that's why I think those sort of accidents are that it's easy for them to happen because we don't as as new parents you don't you don't instantly baby proof every aspect of your house Mm. so you open up for that and i'm I'm not saying you should baby proof everything because there's there's learning involved in it as well but that's where even savvy parents can fall down yeah yeah we i think the only thing we did in our house was put uh stoppers on the drawers so they couldn't be pulled out more than enough to get your fingers in to unhook the drawer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, um, so the only only thing they can really do then is slam their fingers in, into that gap, um, which is better <laughs> which than... deters the, the drawers very quickly, we found. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad solution. <laughs> oh, God, there's all to look forward to. Yeah. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Um, in terms of, in, like, something that I would say about your work, Robin, is, like, the Bentwood challenge chair that you did, I think there's definitely mm. something in that. Like that is, it's a pretty unique looking piece. Like I haven't seen anything like it. And in terms mm. of building a range around that, mm. um, there's a company in Melbourne that used to be in a workshop uh, next door to me called uh, Hamur. I'm not ex- entirely sure on the pronunciation, H-E-I-M-U-R, Hamur. And they used to do fairly standard beds, bedside tables, and then they developed a stool that was a bent, um, bent lamb, fairly simple stool with a rattan top on it. And okay. it got picked up by every magazine and huh? they sold tons of them. And they then developed mm. a range of furniture around it, brought the elements of the design into their beds, into their credenzas. Oh, and I definitely see something in your in your Bentwood Challenge chair that you could develop a range of things in that. You know, you could have a long bench version of it. You could have a high version. You could have a low back version. Mm. You know, three mm. pieces that are all using the same molds 
So it's not like you've got to reinvent mm. the, the wheel. It's just about yeah. yeah the number of elements that get added to it. Mm. I think I think there's uh, there's a lot in what you're saying, Brian, and and that the design is really good. So much so that I mean, you did get a special mention on the the podcast from the guys running the. Um, the Bentwood Challenge. Oh, I thought congrats. that was really awesome. Mm, yeah, mm. I thought he was. He um, was not one of the ten finalists, but a special mention of yep. awesomeness, um, which I thought was awesome. And I think, yeah, I, I really like that idea, Brian, of having one set of molds, and those pieces could be used in in various forms. Uh, and you know, you can you can have a mold and put a piece in it, and you don't you you can cut that piece into different shapes once it's out of the mold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can have that same bend and then use different parts of that bend in different ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my only suggestion there would be for Robin, get someone to CNC some of those, yep. some molds out. So you've got like five so or six. multiples. That you can yeah. do. And just, so they're all exactly the same. You don't have to waste your time making bloody templates. And just know that they're right and that you've just got them. And then start putting shapes together and see what you can make. I really like, I do, I think that's a cool idea. You know, just thinking about it now, you could almost turn that chair upside down, shorten the back and turn it into like a coffee table with lots of ribs mm. upside down. Mm. And put a glass top on it. Yeah. And as a, cool. as a long bench, I could really see that on mm. like the front porch of a Queenslander. Like it's it's quite a contemporary piece, but it wouldn't That's look actually good. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't look out of um, out of keeping with a Queenslander. Yeah, and old uh, Scott Turner from Formy Industrious. He lives just around yeah. the corner, and he's got a CNC. So yeah, oh, he can help me out. And it, the the beauty of it. And I was, I was talking to one of the builders when they were here. I was I was showing off the chain, and he said to me, "Wow, that looks like so much work." And I said to him, "Well, mm. you know." It actually wasn't a lot of work. It was just a lot of time. Mm. Once you have the parts, it's not bad. There's some simple mortise and tendon joinery going on. That's really it. It's the time to bend everything. Mm. That's where you, you know the the. That's why the piece takes so long to make. The good the good thing with you is that you have time. It's probably maybe not with kid, but. Um, in the evenings or in lunch break, you've got enough time to throw some bits in the mold and then go back to work. Oh, and yeah, then after, yeah. after a week or two weeks, you'll have a whole bunch of these, these parts ready to go dried and you can just spend a weekend machining them and putting them together. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. So basically you, you, you Lego the pieces. You just, you just yeah. bend a heap of pieces. Just have yeah. a whole bunch of them. Even there, just keep, and then keep make them in stock. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Interesting. The, I reckon the, you could actually, that's a good idea. You, like what you said, Brian, about a, something, an outdoor, like a, on a porch type setting, if you made like a single, a double or a triple seat and then a little coffee yeah. table and yeah. sell them as a set, that that would be, that's a good idea. <laughs> hmm. Well, this, the second half of the show is going to be, what are we doing in 2020? And I think we've just <laughs> brainstormed my, <laughs> the beginning of my year. There you go. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. I think, I think though the, the, one of the tricky things though is going from this idea of I'm going to make these pieces to I'm going to be able to be profitable off these pieces. So like as you say, Brian, yeah. cool idea, make the pieces and then as Adam said, then they just live upstairs in, in one of the rooms and they never get out. Like that, hmm. that link, that's the bit that, I th that I'm not nervous of, but that's the bit that I don't know how to bring together. But your beauty is you've got a home workshop, so your overheads mm. are, are way, Nothing. way lower. So it's mm. a perfect, 
it's a perfect situation to really just test the product. And time as well, because you've yeah. got, like, you can spend as much time as you like to build the first set and then get some good pictures and stuff. Where to sell it's a different kind of conversation, but um, what you want to do is find someone who's really interested, like a boutique furniture shop or something, like, who would be willing right. to stock it, and then okay. you get paid once it's sold. Okay, so, so that's, there's that's, a lot of yeah. There's a lot of scenarios like that for kind of yep. first time suppliers or makers that they'll say, well, we'll give you your profit once once we sell it, and then they say, oh, I actually sold sold it in a week. Let's have two more sets, and then it, then it creates a supply demand thing where you say, well, um, you may or may not tell them that you can only produce so many a month or a week, and then you say, well, because of that and the amount of time and special skills I have, it's going to cost you this much now. Because yeah. uh, if you want repeat orders, yeah, that's an interesting you, you idea. You could go down that road. My neighbour actually, he's um, making coffee tables at the moment that he's selling on Facebook. He said he sold mm-hmm. one, and straight away he had a, two people contact him for, you know, another two coffee tables, and it sort of just rolled like that. Oh, the what he's making is a bit, um, it's it's a bit cheaper. So it's a, you know it's it's more your. I don't know what the trend would be, but it's uh, like modern rustic. It's made out of right. sleepers, so it's it's real rustic. But so it's definitely a different market. But you know that's how it worked for him. He just he put it on Facebook and and it's rolled since you know in that way. So I guess it's similar to what you're talking about the boutiques. Yeah, those smaller kind of mum dad furniture shops are the ones that are really interested in that, and because they're trying to find a product that is going to kind of make a break as well and, and something that they they could associate with them as like we're the stockists of this cool new thing mm. yeah so so Joey you've obviously got this this desk of yours coming up um, end of February that's the, yeah so that's the delivery when anything else lined up after that do you have other jobs in the queue yeah I'm booked up I mean it looks like I've got it looks like I've got another kitchen, which will be an interesting one. Um, I'm probably already booked up till March if I really sat down and put all the jobs in a line. Mm. Um, I I was looking um, at my uh, my year planner, and we've done I think on average, this is going to sound a lot, but I'll explain it. Um, six jobs a month. That does sound and, a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Now, bear in mind, I've got an employee who's doing a lot of work, and at the moment, I've, I've got a, a, an apprentice just started with me, just for the school holidays, and he's got another year of school, but he's looking really good, and he's probably going to end up coming and working here. Um, I I don't think I could do much more work than that. That's a, that's a lot of work. What I would like to do is see. The, just the average sale price go up and then if and if I could start whittling down the amount of jobs mm. by six <laughs> or more um, it gets just giving me a bit more breathing room between the jobs mm. but we'll see how that's going I think that's probably my goal um, is to just like I've increased my price a bit and reduce the amount of work that's actually coming through I think that would be um, the way to go. I think that's probably not what most business people would say to recommend, but for me, I think that's what will feel more comfortable uh, that, moving forward. That's what we were talking about last week with Adam, 
how every mm. woodworker's dream is to make four pieces a year and, and yeah. live in a mansion. Yeah, I, I think that's completely unrealistic for me. I do think that I've done quite a few, I can't see right now, but I've done quite a few kitchens this year, probably in, for me quite a few, is about six. Um, and there's really good money in kitchens, generally. And um, I think if I could do that many kitchens a year, that would it's a good amount of work to keep people busy as well. And so if there are times where there's not much, you know, a kitchen takes a lot of work. Um, and we've got, we, we have a pretty good system now on how to put a kitchen together. And so I can kind of put one guy on a kitchen and I know he's busy for two to three weeks. Um, and if, if we could have that kind of background work happening all the time as well as more bespoke things coming in, I think that would be uh, a good balance. With those, with those kitchens, in terms of quoting, are you pretty much, your quoting process now is, is bang on. Like you, you know how long it's gonna take, you, you know how much it's gonna cost, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, Pretty much, I know exactly how much the materials are gonna cost. And if I really want to, I, I can really screw down on the drawings and work out exactly how many sheets apply and do my cut lists and stuff ahead of time. But I've found that's not, there's no point because you might as well just buy another sheet of plywood. You know, if, if I'm really trying to work out this, can I get it down to five sheets, I'll stuff it, I'll just allow for six uh, yeah. because what's another hundred bucks on the cost of a $10,000 kitchen, yeah. uh, you know, or more. So uh, I found that just being over generous with my quoting um, seems to be the way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially, yeah, as you say, that's, so, the cost is so little and the risk is so high. I think maybe yeah i think in the same conversation i should be i'm i'm over generous so my personally my quotes are getting more expensive but i think i'm still undercutting a lot of the big kitchen companies mm. um but what i am is really specific to the clients about what the products are they're getting what it's going to look like i am almost always find samples in the workshop take pictures of them email them those pictures along with the quote they'll get my 3d drawings and they'll get links to all the hardware products which i've allowed to put into the um, kitchen so right from my initial quote email i mean they can pretty much see everything that all the different products actually actual photographs of it and i i feel like that's not done so much with some of the bigger kitchen companies, they just say it's going to be melamine and it's going to be Maltica finish and it's going to cost this much. It's going to be standard um, melamine and a standard yeah. this, and uh, you've just got to accept that that's what it is and know what that is. Yeah, and so I make a point of saying that the carcasses are going to be uh, plywood with a white um, high pressure laminate, unless you want something else. And I'll say, you know, the I only do like plywood finish like outsides generally so I'll say it's going to be a birch plywood of some kind with some kind of laminate on it perhaps um, or a stain if they want to go down that road but I think just really giving the client as much information and then explaining kind of why that may or maybe that explains why the price is what the price is yeah and I think there's also a lot to be said about just being a good dude when you when you're dealing with yeah. clients, yeah, as someone who's who's doing build, you know, gone through the building process, I went through close on ten builders right. in terms of quoting, until I found a guy that I liked 
they could probably all do the job all within yep. the, the same quality you know the, the builder called me at the end of the job and said oh, are you happy with it and i kind of went well yeah because you've you've worked to a plan of course it's going to be fine yep. you know but dealing with him has been fun dealing with his team has been we've had a, a good laugh so they'll you know they'll do the rest cool. of the renovations for, for yep. this house great that's awesome yeah, and when you know it's interesting. I don't know if you planned it, but did you? You've essentially given the contractor a small job to see how they go, and then you can base their performance, uh, base what they've done, and decide if you want to spend the big bucks with them. Exactly. Because um, because I get that from clients, so I get like a small job, like a little bedside table, and then oh, seeing as we're really happy with that, now can you do the rest of the house, all the rooms, mm. or something? Um, so it's interesting that, did you think about that or is it something that just has happened? Well, I, I have thought about that in the past. So with this job, this job just had to be done, but I have thought about that in the past. And my wife and I sometimes butt heads on this because she's a very, she's a very fiery person. So when a trade will come over and do something wrong, for <laughs> example, my toilet was, when they installed the toilet in my new bathroom area, they siliconed it to the tiles because the tiling was a little bit off, they put a, they had to wedge the toilet up so that it was right. level. And they used a blue, a black, a blue wedge, wedge <laughs> right in the front. So when you stare into the toilet, <laughs> yeah. just below your big white porcelain toilet is a blob of blue. Yeah. And so I called the, plum, the, the plumber up and it, it, it was one of his team that did it. And I said right. to him, you know, mate, this isn't great. I can see this, is there something we can do? And my wife, is, she said to me, you know, you should, be, you should be fighting more with this. Like you should be <laughs> right. looking for, for um, you know, some sort of compensation or, or that kind of thing. Right. Not, not, not in a horrible way, but you need to stand yeah. up for yourself. But from my perspective, if, if that had turned sour, I just wouldn't go with him again. That's it. That, yeah, right. that's, there's no point in fighting with the guy who's gonna yeah. fix your problem you want you still want to want his team on your team all the way to the end but then at that point you can say well you know i'll take my money elsewhere the, the wallet talks at the end of the day yeah it's a good point yeah brian what's next year got in store uh i've got a couple of jobs lined up um a cabinet uh, a set of cabinets for a mid-century modern home that is being mm. renovated very early stages just talking to the client at the minute Dining table. Sorry, sorry. mid-century modern home. Yeah. Like the design of the home, or they just furnish yeah, it? Yeah, mid mid-century modern. It's 1950s. It's not a Robin Boyd house, but it's in that sort of style. Right. Um, yeah. So it'll be, again, like you're talking about div diversifying and sort of working out, like you're going into kitchens and things, and you've worked out that that's a pretty good niche for you. I think I'm probably next year I'm going to work on doing a bit more fit-out work, a mm -hmm. bit more cabinetry. Um, accepting that I have to use plywood for more jobs okay. um, and going down that route because up till now everything I've done has been solid timber apart from one yeah. piece which is plywood um, and, and it just limits what you can do like you like you know it limits what you can do which is cool yeah but it's only cool if the workload's in there totally mm. yeah um, so yeah it's just about the compromise of that I think yeah um, are you is there something you are excited about because it sounds like you don't like are you being forced uh, into this into making this choice 
I think it's. I think it's. It's definitely being driven upon me more than anything. Like financially, mm. it would make more mm. sense to have bigger jobs like that on. Um, you know, rather mm. than working on two to three thousand, four to five thousand dollar jobs. If you get one twenty five thousand dollar job, it takes a lot of pressure off in terms mm-hmm. of your financial planning. Mm. Um, but I've also got a dining table on coffee table for a repeat client that I just delivered I think the third piece I've done for them so there's going to be another piece for them that's cool um, doing a memories box for a client which is going to be pretty nice with like a star map inlay on the top of two sets of boxes um, like, like a little like, like a jewelry box type thing yeah like a big it's a very sad story actually but yeah okay. it, somebody's partner passed away and they want a memories right. box to uh, put okay. their things in um, and they want the star map to be the birthday of wow. their partner. Uh, so that's, that's pretty heavy stuff. But yeah. again, like, I find you get really connected to working on pieces like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rather than giving it a 10 out of 10 effort, you give it a 12 out of 10 and really yeah. put everything into it. And I do, I really enjoy working on small pieces as well. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's coming up. Uh, also, hope to keep uh, growing the tree maker initiative yeah. which mm. it's been awesome to get you guys involved and i think we're now up to about 25 people signed up for it so donating one percent of their the income into their maker business to reforestation or um, tree protection mm. and um, one very generous maker in melbourne so we've been running it since about september if you go to my website it's sawdustbureau.com slash tree maker you get all the details there but um it's been running since about september october i think and one very, very generous maker in Melbourne backdated his entire year's worth of earnings and, and donated. So shout, That's out crazy. To, shout out to Stephen at Ecowood. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been really awesome. The positive oh. messages of people saying that, you know, we've thought about it, but we haven't, you know, we didn't know how to take the jump. And it's, it's good mm. to see everybody doing it as a group together. Mm. Ecowood, mm. I think I've, I started following them on Instagram shortly after that episode where we talked about it. They're, yeah. they're on Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah, he's on Instagram, yeah. Yeah, based in Melbourne. Mm. Yeah. Would it be possible to get, like, a, an estimate of the... And, and, uh, and it, you know, if, if this is not what you want it to be about, that, that's fine as well. But it would be yeah. really nice to see how much money is going into this. Or how many trees. It, or how that's many trees, tri- yeah. It's that's a tricky thing because people obviously yeah. don't like laying their finances bare, like, for everyone yeah. to see. But... Um, yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, I know uh, a couple of makers will uh, they'll put it on a story on their Instagram and and post how many trees they've they've planted. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I would say it's it would be well into the thousands now. I'd say probably up around yeah. a couple of thousand. Yeah, easily. That's a lot of so trees. Yeah, good. Yeah, especially if you got lo- someone losing. Doing it. Yeah, we're losing so many in New South Wales and Queensland at the minute that, uh, yeah, we've got to do something. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. As far as a massive, huh? Yeah. So I think a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you guys. I wanted to include a segment from an email from Leroy, Leroy, mm-hmm. Leroy Redding. He's been listening to the show for ages. He's actually, I, I, I assume from his email, he's a... Um, not a full-time firefighter, but a... It's a volunteer. Volunteer firefighter. He's yeah. actually out there working on the fires at the moment. So, well, yeah, quick shout-out to Leroy. Leroy. For, yeah, yeah. For, it's hard, it, looks, it looks hardcore. I was talking to one of my colleagues in Sydney yesterday, and, and she was saying it's, 
it's insane. The, the smog that's come through the city, yeah. she's never seen anything like it. Yeah, we've been pretty lucky down in Melbourne so far, but uh, touch wood. Mm. Is, is, it, is there a risk <laughs> around Melbourne? I, I, uh, when I think of Melbourne, yeah. it's, it's so green. Uh, it just depends on the, on the rainfall. Like sometimes more right. rainfall in the spring causes all the undergrowth to grow and then you have a really okay. hot, dry summer and it's windy as here and the, yeah. the bushfires can just take off. But yeah, usually it's a bit later. Usually it's February, March and obviously huh. um, Black Saturday happened. And, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty crazy time. I actually ended up making a piece, making a set of trophies out of fence posts that were charred in the Black Saturday fires. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty interesting job. And also worked for a client who lost a, they had an old style uh, country house that got burnt in the fires and rebuilt you know the building um, protection obviously went through the roof and the code changed to what you could build <laughs> so right. you had to essentially rebuild modern and all their furniture previously was all you know old French style furniture wow. and they decided right we're going to live in a modern home we're going to have modern furniture so they commissioned me to do a few pieces and that was That's really cool. nice you know sort of seen as part of the healing process of them and yeah, mm. looking to take positives out of a massive negative. So, um, yeah, mm. no, we definitely got them on the fringes of Melbourne. Wow, okay. And then you've also got, obviously, uh, March, some big changes there. Are you going to be taking some time off when the little one comes along? I think I'm going to take uh, the very generous two weeks of minimum wage government leave, which is going to be yep. fantastic. Um, mm. But, yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably take a bit of time off, I think. Um, even if I can sort of get my workshop time down to three days a week and maybe an afternoon mm. here and there as well for a while until my wife's back on her feet and coping. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's exciting. It's well, interesting. That, like, I think I said the other week, it changed my schedule a lot and that now mm. I, I try and finish as early as I can uh, in the afternoons just so I can get home and have some, have some time before bedtime and everything starts happening, which is always yeah. early with the kids. So, um, yeah. It, it completely changes your schedule, I think, a little bit. Well, with that in mind, I'm hoping that by next year, our circumstance will have calmed down a little bit more because our 18-month-old is, she's fiery. Crazy. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's like, <laughs> time is still something that I'm, I'm short on at the moment, but I'm hoping next yep. year to get a bit more of that back. And I think are, you I able to, are you able to work in the workshop while she's asleep upstairs? Yes, yeah. when she's asleep. The process of going okay. down, I've got to keep, you know, got to keep quiet. But, I mean, we're talking about, you know, no thicknesses. Yeah. So that yeah. kind of volume, yeah. you know, sanding, drilling, that type of thing. That she's, yeah. she's grown up in a house where next to it, a house was built just after, right. she, after she was born. Shortly after that, behind, another house was built. <laughs> just across the way, another house. She has just grown up with the sound of carpenters around well, her 24-7. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what you want. It's good. That's exactly what's happening next door to me at the minute as well. They're literally just pouring the slab for two townhouses. So, yeah. Mm. That's good. You don't want the kid to grow up in a dead silent house and then they'll no. never be able to sleep anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm really hoping to get some more time next year for... Uh, for making videos. I feel like in the last six months, my content output has just dropped. 
yeah. because it's been yeah. tough with, with, having, with having a kid, but also because the content that I've been putting out, it's, I've been trying to up it a little bit, make it a bit more right. you know, impressive, <clears throat> which is good, but I feel like I've gone to the other end of the extreme where, yeah, and like nothing's coming. I, haven't, I put out a video yesterday for the, the Renault, but before right. that it was like two months or something. Yeah. Or, or a month or it's just yeah where in the when I first started doing YouTube it was once a week it was once a week for mm. like a year so I'd yeah. really that's one of my goals next year is to try and get even if it's doing small projects that I can work on in the evening or you know something the smaller projects that are still interesting just yeah. to try and in, increase that and then obviously the, the first half of the year is going to be working on this renovation because the builders have come in they've pulled out the walls they've put up the, the structural beams and said, "All right, off you go. Go for it." <laughs> so I've still got to. Re I've got to build the bench top. The kitchen is going to be partially redone, with the intent of stripping it out. You know, years down the line, so it's going to be right. a bit of a sort of fifty-fifty update. Um, the flooring needs to be redone. Uh, it's just there's just all these you know there's, there's just those little jobs to make the place up. Yeah. So that's probably you'll be busy for a couple months. Yeah, exactly. And while that's going on, there's not much going on down in the workshop because there's, yeah. there's just not enough time for both. So I'm going to try and smash that out as quick as possible. With the with the flooring, we I think we talked we might have talked about it in the last episode or the episode before about stitching a new flooring between the existing floorboards. Oh yeah. I had this cool idea. What I'm going to do is take the studs from the wall, and I'm going to turn those into. It's I've got to make up a 400 mil wide gap okay. of floorboards to so take the studs glue some together and end up with four new floorboards running across i think it might be a, a nice little nice look yeah well that's certainly the easiest way to repair a floor is to just run the the patchwork perpendicular to everything else um, oh no this is running with it this is oh okay yeah and so are you then going to stitch them in or are you going to just leave them square cut so you still will see two lines two joins so I stitch them in as in cut a... So generally you would like finger joint all the the new bits. You have So you've got to cut out some of the old bits and allow the new bits to go through and finger in. So it was a pretty seamless. By the time it's all sanded, you don't see that there was ever a patch. Well... Or I mean, you, just have, you just have your strip and you put lots of new bits in and um, it just is what it is. And you have two cut lines. No, well, I'll, I'll tongue, and, tongue and groove it. Because it's existing tongue and groove. Oh, uh, you're talking about it's extending like linear, like linearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. so there's a, a with along the length of the floorboards. Yeah. Some of the boards have come out. Oh, I see. And, and the same uh, line. Okay. Yeah. Not a, not across not across them. No, no. So there uh, is there that, is one section that that has happened, but yeah. the flooring underneath it is actually in good nick. It's going to have to be Fine. sanded back yeah. and and that, but floors and good nick so no so it's because they the way they've built it they they built the wall the they, they laid the floor towards yeah. the wall so in the join you've got two thing two, two tongues uh, or two grooves two, two tongues right yeah mm. so that's fine so i can just route two half grooves yeah two and rebates it, and lay it on, on top there or yeah, yeah. So I think that'll be a, an interesting project. And yeah, because all the studs are either, it's some kind of oak or it's a real deep red eucalypt. 
just what I had in my mind was that that piece that you did, Brian, the the cube table or something. What was that? Uh, your plywood boxy yeah. thing with the different colored oh, the, timbers. The ply parasite, yeah. The parasite. parasite. That's the one that I was thinking. Yeah. You yeah. know, just just have that because you're going to have all this this uh, pine, and then yeah. in the middle you're going to have this parasitic element, which is yeah, going to be the that's kind of cool. different color. Yeah. Be that's like uh, the old Japanese, what is it, Yasagi? The Yasagi? No idea. <laughs> I know what, what you're talking about. I don't know how it's pronounced. When, there, when there's cracks and they fill them with gold instead uh, of filling yeah, them with, right. you know, resin to hide them, you're actually highlighting the cracks. You know, mm. in that case, Robin, you could just about cut some of the, uh, the, the, the nice bits out and just to, to make the pattern a bit more uniform through the area, you could replace some bits that don't need replacing just to change, mm. have the color yeah. uh, appear in more places. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad That'd idea. Be interesting, but um, we're talking about your YouTube the... videos. I'm, yep. I'm gonna make a pledge to try to do a YouTube video next year. Bam! <laughs> add, do it. Add to my my list of two YouTube videos, and I'm gonna try to get more than I think 30 subscribers. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> well, do you do you know anyone who can do? I'm I'm assuming you might because of the the circles you're rolling. Anyone who'd be interested in doing the filming? Uh, my intern is a videographer as well, so she's she she filmed the um, the video that I did for the dish table, and mm. the previous one that I did on the pinch bench was filmed by my sister, who's also a photographer and videographer. So I've got Sweet. people there to do it. It's just getting them here at the right times, and it'll yeah, end up most of it being filmed on a tripod by me. Like, but um, they do the detail. That's uh, cool. Fun shots. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. You should absolutely do that. Yeah. Course, Get that yeah. done before baby comes. Maybe I'll do it on the crib. Oh yeah, because yeah. otherwise it won't happen until like uh, okay. you know this time next year. All right. You heard okay. it here first, people. To... Brian's Brian's putting out a video next year, yeah. and we're gonna hammer yeah. him until he does it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right, everyone. Well, I reckon we'll leave it there. Um, yeah. I hope everyone's enjoyed the show. A bit of a roundup for the year. We will be back next year. We don't have a, a particular date yet, but it will. be most likely be sometime in January. We'll yep. get back to recording and, and get the shows going on. So, yeah, I hope everyone has a very good Christmas. I hope it's a, a fantastic Christmas spent with family and friends, depending how you want to celebrate. And, yeah, we'll be back in in 2020. Crazy. So, so to everyone listening, um, if you did enjoy the show, please go ahead and give it a, a, a rating on iTunes. That really does help us out. Shop Still Podcast is available on iTunes and most other podcast apps as well as YouTube. My name is Robin Lewis. Joey and Brian, thanks for hanging out for the last time in 2019. Absolutely. Take yep. care, everyone, and we'll see you next year. See ya. Happy Christmas, guys. Bye. <laughs>